Welcome to Osteo, that's with a capital T-E-A, where Osteo warriors in treatment and recent survivors spill the tea on all things osteosarcoma and cancer from the adolescent young adult patient perspective. Listen in on our honest and personal conversations about our osteo experiences, stories, and who knows what else. This podcast discusses all aspects of the young adult cancer experience in a conversational format. Conversations and language will be appropriate for listeners age 18 and over. Audience discretion is advised. Like and follow MIB agents on social media for all the intel. In case you already heard, I haven't already heard about it a million times by now, we are so grateful for a factor conference at the Rancho Bernardo Inn this summer. It was wonderful having something for everyone in the osteosarcoma community and more importantly, and brought us all together to collaborate for a cure. Many videos and photos have already been shared of the event on our social media outlets, but make sure to look if you haven't already. We also have some more events coming up within the next month. Since July was Sarcoma Awareness Month and September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, join us for our virtual outrunning osteosarcoma event going on now. When you run, walk, cycle with us, you can help cause a cure. With MIB agents, no one walks through osteosarcoma alone. So let's go out running together. You can register at mibagents.swugo.com slash outrunning. This September, we encourage you to be bold and go gold for Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Make and sell bows in your community or make a donation this summer and get a bow that shows you care. Contact Anita at mibagents.org to volunteer today. And this episode is sponsored by the Osteosarcoma Institute, a nonprofit organization led by osteosarcoma experts from top US cancer centers who together are concentrating on the cure for osteosarcoma. The mission of the OSI is to dramatically increase treatment options and survival rates in osteosarcoma patients through identifying and funding the most promising and breakthrough osteosarcoma clinical trials in science. In addition to advancing research, OSI also provides a free resource called OSI Connect for osteosarcoma patients. Our osteosarcoma experts can discuss available treatments, possible side effects, and provide helpful advice for getting the most out of your visits and your treating physician. This resource is available in English and Spanish and aims to help patients and families find answers to their questions. Well, welcome everyone to the third episode of Osteo, the Osteosarcoma podcast. We're so excited to be back and spilling the tea on all things osteosarcoma. And today we have two wonderful guests, osteo warrior Allie and osteo sibling Nick to help us spill the tea on the transition back to school with treatment and supporting your sibling going through treatment. Thanks so much for joining us on Osteo today. We're so excited to have you. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Camille. I'm an MIB junior advisory board member and osteo warrior. To give a brief background on me, I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma in 2013 at age 10. I went through a year of chemotherapy and a limb salvage surgery of my right tibia. And since my diagnosis, I've relapsed seven times. And most recently, I'm recovering from a left thoracotomy that I had in June, but I am super excited to be able to go back to school at Boston University this fall for my sophomore year, where I'm studying psychology and theater. And also, of course, with us today is host Vicki Hoy. 
Hi, everyone. My name is Vicki Hoy, and I am also a Junior Advisory Board member and Osteo Warrior. I was diagnosed last year in July of 2021 and received 10 months of MAP chemotherapy along with limb salvage that replaced half my pelvis and my hip. And I also had a thoracotomy in my right lung. Since finishing treatment in May, I'm now looking forward to being a freshman at Villanova University studying finance. I'm very excited that I got my brother to come on this podcast. Honestly, a little surprised. He's been very busy this summer with his work. I'm also happy that fellow Osteo Warrior and a junior advisory board member, Allie, was able to join us. So Nick and Allie, feel free to introduce yourselves. Hi there, my name is Nick, uh, aka Vicky's uh, bigger brother here. Um, I currently attend uh, the Rutgers University where I'm in the business school studying finance. I'll be heading to my junior year uh, come this fall. Um, I'm part of the men's soccer club, uh, which takes up a lot of my time both in the fall and the spring, but it gets me through a lot of my stuff. Um, and besides that, it's just studying from here on out. Okay. Um, hi, my name is Ali Tamayose. I'm also a junior advisory board member and I am an osteo warrior. I was diagnosed uh, in January, 2018 at age 11 and I received MAP chemotherapy, the MAP chemotherapy roadmap and a limb salvage surgery. Uh, we've been trying to deal with the metastases in my lungs since the, since I finished MAP and I've had eight thoracotomies. And we're now trying lung radiation paired with immunotherapy infusions. Um, earlier this year, I began experiencing severe headaches and we found out that the cancer had also spread to my brain. And I had a craniotomy done to remove the big tumor causing pressure on the right side of my brain. While there were still smaller mets in my brain, we treated them with radiation and the radiation seems to be working. So I am currently a junior in high school and just have been adjusting to manage my new treatments with schoolwork and everything on top of that. Well, welcome again, Nick and Allie. We are going to dive right on into our first segment, which we open each and every episode with. It's what's the tea? No like, literally. We'll be going around and sharing what we're drinking and give an honest review on it. So I'll start us off. I have two drinks tonight, which is a little crazy for me. Um, but my recent favorite has been the Lemoncello LaCroix. It is literally like heaven in a drink it's like an orange creamsicle but lemon and it's so good this is a 10 out of 10 um and then I also have oh my gosh it's like stuck to my table but I have some chamomile tea which just goes perfectly because my name's Camille and it kind of sounds similar this is a classic has a lot of honey in it and let me see mm, I'd have to give it a 9 out of 10 the lemon, the limoncello always takes precedence over it. But uh, Vicky, what are you drinking today? I, I don't have a LaCroix, but I made my own lemon seltzer. That's what we're okay. having today. Very similar, but I'll be honest. When I was drinking it, I give it like a seven out of 10. Like it wasn't as bubbly as I would have liked mm -hmm. as the canned ones are, but it was, it was still all right. How about you, Nick? So I actually have the canned seltzer with me today. One that Vicky wish she has is <laughs> so she might come down and steal it halfway through. Um, but I love seltzer so much, it's my go to drink for absolutely everything. 
and on a nice day like this in the summer it just it's very refreshing um comparing it to like a soda and stuff just without all the sugar uh so i'm in love with seltzer basically <laughs> you gotta give it a rate out of 10. yeah you gotta rate it this is a strawberry flavored i'd give it a 9.5 out of 10. wow incredible um and i i don't have any form of seltzer or <laughs> anything <laughs> like that um I had to kind of go through my refrigerator and find something. The only thing I could really find was apple juice, juice, Yum. sugar, good. Um, my sister and I enjoy drinking apple juice. So, um, so just a, it's a nice callback to your childhood, I guess. Uh, ju just juice and not anything, you know, it's just a comfort drink almost. So. I'd have to give it like a nine out of 10 just for nostalgia. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but enough on RT and more important onto the issue of college and back to school since the back to school season is already fastly approaching, which is crazy. I feel like I just finished my semester at BU. Um, but to start us off, Ali, I know you've been in and out of treatment for a while. Um, while also attending school. So what has that experience been like for you? It's been rough. I was diagnosed um, in sixth grade. Um, and then I pretty much was barely in school during my intermediate years because seventh grade, I was in and out of the hospital constantly. So I feel like I hardly was ever there and my eighth grade year got cut short because of COVID. So, um, and I've been, you know, fighting this disease um, in high school too now. And I think it's just the most difficult part about it, I think is just being out so often. And when you come back and you feel sort of like out of place because, you know, you fall behind, not fall behind, but like you don't get the same information that the people who are in person are getting so it's just a little it's hard in a sense that you feel a little disconnected from the teachers and the, your classmates because you just are hardly ever there I guess and um, for me it's been an adjustment adjusting to um, having treatments like radiation or immunotherapy while having to manage homework and just daily schoolwork that I need to be keeping up with so I can keep my grades up. Yeah, that's, that's then, always rough. Can't imagine doing both of them at once. Uh, it's something else. <laughs> <laughs> then, I think Vicky. Yeah, so mine was kind of a unique experience because I was diagnosed two weeks after I graduated high school. So it's kind of a time when like quite a few people take a gap year. So I was kind of able to just take a gap year, even though it kind of felt a little unproductive because I wasn't working or making money. I was just spending money on more meds and chemos and surgeries, but I was able to take a gap year, which was pretty difficult to see all my friends go off to college and me kind of be set back. But I'm kind of like have a late birthday anyways. So it's, it's kind of okay that I'm going to school this year, just being a little older for the grade now but I was able to take an easy class uh, in the fall 
while I was in treatment, but it was still so difficult to keep up with deadlines, even though it was, I think the class was literally called stress management. And I was like, I got a lot to tell you. So <laughs> that's definitely a good class to take, but it was so hard to keep up. So I just dropped all classes in the spring. And then I took a class this summer just to kind of have a transition from absolutely no treatment into, you know, full, I mean, no treatment, absolutely no classes into a full load of classes. But I'm really excited about starting college in the fall, but still nervous about relapsing and having a work balance because I've had a lot of uh, problems with like memory issues because of treatment. But I also just wanted to talk about uh, sports as well. I mean, we might talk about it later as well, but I was recruited to Villanova for rowing, but I can't row anymore. But I think it was really awesome that the coaches there still wanted me to have this sense of community. So they kind of gave me an assistant coach kind of treasury kind of position where I just log all the times that people are rowing and kind of cheer them on from the sidelines and like help out with any of the regattas or other events. And I just kind of get to be part of the community that I should have been part of if it weren't for cancer. And I know Camille, you've already had experience with starting college. So how has that been for you? College has definitely been crazy. Kind of like Allie, I've been on and off treatment while in school. So managing treatment and like a demanding course load has been very challenging. But um, I'll definitely go back to like middle and high school a little bit. Um, the beginning of school is always a super hectic time. And it it is for everyone if you even if you don't have a life-threatening illness like cancer or osteosarcoma and I think especially in middle and high school having so many new teachers each year and trying to re-explain your condition and needs to not everyone is bound to have a good response or know how to react in a way that's appropriate like I've had some pretty bizarre things said to me I'll just do a little story time I was wearing a dress on the first day of school. This was sophomore year of high school. And I have a pretty big scar on my right leg. And we're lining up. The bell's about to ring. And my chemistry teacher comes over to me and he's like, what'd you do to get that scar? And I was like, and everyone knew. And they all turned and looked at me like, oh my God, what is this guy saying? But then the bell rung, thank God, and I got out of there, and the rest of the year it was so awkward, um, but I think eventually he figured out what was going on, because, you know, uh, but yeah, it's always a process to get teachers to understand, and I also had a 504 plan, which is basically like a legal accommodation list that, you know, is updated accordingly to your needs um, every year. Um, so that was certainly helpful. Um, and college, although I've only had two semesters of college, most of my professors have been super kind and supportive. And I know I'm super lucky to have that experience because, you know, sometimes professors in college are unpredictable and, you know, they're not really obligated to be nice to you, <laughs> um, which sucks. But um, anyway, Nick, I know you're kind of on the opposite side of this where you're an osteo sibling and you aren't directly experiencing treatment, but as we all know at this point, cancer affects the entire family. 
So when Vicky was diagnosed, what was starting school like for you and how did your peers or instructors react? Um, well, I just bring it back to the summer that she was diagnosed. Um, it was really a shock because we really didn't know what was going on with her for so long. Um, and so I just remember like as soon as the information came out, I had many people within my close knit community come out and always, you know, anything I could do for you, let me know. Um, and I got so used to people uh, telling me that all the time. And out of this course, didn't know what to say to them. I'm like, thank you. And I became numb for that a little bit. Um, I think like one of the strongest things that I went through in the beginning during the summer when she got first diagnosed was, I remember I was hanging out with one of my friends, my close friends, and he had known that Vicky was going through something, but we just didn't know what it was exactly. And I, I was outside in this um, uh, sunset maybe in the summer. And then I, we were just talking and I look at him, I'm like, and Vicky's not doing so well. And he's like, is everything okay? And then I, I broke the news to him of what, you know, she'd be diagnosed with. And, and we just stared at each other and he, I mean, I, he gave me a hug and like, we've never been in that kind of emotional state together. Cause we're, you know, it's always fun times with friends, but we've never had a real serious, you know, you know, look at each other and be like, this is really serious. And, you know, I'm going to be there for you. And so I had, you know, had everyone, you know, come out to me and be like anything, you know, we can help you with um, during the summer. So then going to school, I almost didn't want that experience. I didn't want people to almost pity me in a way and, and you know, make um, changes to anything just to, to make a difference in my life. Um, and so I kept quiet with it, really. I kept it inside. The only person that really knew what was going on with my family and everything was my roommate, who I'm very close with. Um, but any other friends I had there and teachers, um, I kept pretty silent about it. Um, I think definitely just being away from Vicky at the time and my family, I was almost like isolated at my campus. And so when you don't hear, you know, text messages about what's going on, updates um, or any photos, it almost, you know, thankfully disappears for a little bit. And I'm able to focus more on on schoolwork and, you know, cause this is the first time in, in person for me because coronavirus wiped out my entire freshman year. And so first time on campus, you know, I was looking forward to going in and, uh, you know, trying to get as much stuff done, but it was always in the back of my head, just, you know, something's going on with my family and um, anything can happen at that point because it was so new to us. Um, and I didn't know how to, how to, uh, to act with that. Um, yeah, so I didn't really want to tell anyone. Um, and there are often times where I would honestly forget about it, being caught up in all my work. Um, and then just that little thought in the back of your head, like, you know, Vicky's going through something, or I'd get an update about what her diagnosis is, or, you know, what her treatment's, you know, going to take, and how long it's going to take. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden, I just drop my schoolwork, and I just sit there, um, often start crying at my desk. My roommate's like, I don't know what's going on. He'll leave me alone for a couple of minutes, because I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm like an hour away. I, you know, I can't really just phone her and stuff. I got homework. Let's, you know, let's do the next day. I've got, you know, tests to study for all the responsibilities. And then I just had this overwhelming emotion just hit me. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, one of the toughest things is like, I really can't help. Um, you know, it's really, you know, on Vicky to, you know, you know, be strong and go through this. So I could offer like emotional support and stuff like that, but it, it's a pain not being able to like, you know, really make like a, a structured impact and be there for her. Um, and luckily that changed um, during the spring because um, at the time I was playing for my club soccer team and we would have um, games on the weekends. And so I wouldn't, wasn't able to drive home and, and see Vicky or my, my parents at all. But in the spring, that kind of changed where our, our season stopped. And so I kind of made it a priority with me and my twin sister to drive back um, almost every weekend to visit Vicky, whether she was at MSK in the city or just be home with my family in case they need to go there and they need you know time away from that. So obviously it, they got cut up with everything too. Um, but I mean, there are often times where, you know, I've been walking back from, from uh, class and then it just hits me like, you know, my sister, uh, you know, could possibly die anytime. And I would just start crying on the way back from class. And then, you know, everyone's like, what's going on? I'm like trying to put my head down. Like, you know, I don't want anyone to really come up to me and start talking to me because I don't really want to have that conversation. And I feel like they wouldn't really understand or, you know, what other people are going through. Um, and, you know, with my own roommate, the person who, who really knew what was going on. He had other family members that also went through cancer um, and they all survived at the time. So he was able to give me a bit of hope. It wasn't osteosarcoma. Um, it was uh, breast cancer at the time with one of his grandmothers. Um, but he did help in a way with telling me how he went through it because he was in high school at the time. Um, and so, yeah, he gave me a lot of advice about how to get my mind off of things or what he could, you know, what I could do to help and just be there emotionally and, and support Vicky through that. Um, so he, he was a big help for me. Um, but yeah, oftentimes I, I feel like I need to speak to someone, you know, to an advisor or something. Um, but I just I was almost too shy or didn't want to um, to start talking about it because I knew if I sat down with a um, an advisor or something and just started explaining about my situation, I knew I just couldn't stop myself from crying because it's just like overwhelming. I've been keeping it, you know, bundled up and then all the stress of schoolwork and my soccer club. Um, I just feel like I didn't need to have that additional, you know, um, stress and this idea that my sister's, you know, going through something you know, horrific at the time. Um, but thankfully, everything turned out okay and you know during the spring being able to see her more often and sleeping over at msk where there was a a lot you know i felt a lot closer to her, to her then and that i might have been doing a bit more to her um to help her at least um you know times where she would be crying in pain but i'd just be like standing there and i would start laughing because i didn't know how to really deal with that at the time like she would be just you know screaming at the top of her lungs and the nurses would come and try to hold her down and i would just be like massaging her foot or something i'm like what am i going on like other college kids are you know partying or going to football games and here i am like massaging my sister's foot in like new york city and it was a crazy experience 
I just I just couldn't help myself from like laughing or like I'm like I know this is gonna be okay I know she's gonna be fine um there's no need to be like upset or start crying or be like oh no Vicky like don't worry about it I just remember like everything's gonna be okay in the end <laughs> so there's definitely some interesting experiences um but honestly I think that brought us closer together a lot you know not everyone is so close with their siblings but um almost a, a blessing in disguise being able to to be closer with her and spend more time with her especially at a time during college where you know you often are separated from your siblings um and that's like kind of part of your life where you, you know you, you go off on your own um but it almost brought us back together in that in that sense um and i got to hear a lot more about um more like what, what she's going through in her life what my parents are going through um a lot more like secrets I didn't really know at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a lot. Um, I tried to keep a lot of it uh, like bundled up in the back of my head, but often I couldn't uh, contain it sometimes. Um, but everything worked out for the better in the end. And here I am speaking on this podcast, um, sharing my experience. And thankfully it's, it's been tough, but it's come out positive. Um, and I hope, you know, that's the same for a lot of other people that it may be listening. Um, just, you know, if you're ever there massaging someone's foot in a hospital bed, just, you know, enjoy it, you know, because you may never, you know, I may never get to get to touch Vicky's feet again, you know, but here I am helping her out with that, you know, so, yeah. I mean, I, I hope you're not massaging my feet again. I honestly, I, I don't even remember you being there. I was on so many drugs after surgery. I, I don't remember anything. Apparently, I called a few people and was just screaming. Yeah, you I don't you, remember um, it at all. You gave uh, the nurse the middle finger and then Did you I looked really? at me and then gave me the middle finger. And then you're like yelling I think you said I think you said the f word too but I remember you just you just put your hand up and started giving me the finger I'm like what like <laughs> you're on some crazy stuff right now to be giving I've been me- in a lot of pain okay I'm I know. I was on a, a lot of drugs <laughs> yeah damn I mean a part of it's also kind of emotional like hearing you talk about like you know you're going through emotionally while I was through that because I just I honestly didn't think of it through your perspective at all. I was just get through treatment, get through treatment, you know. But I hope it's honestly like eye-opening to other siblings that might be hearing this to share that their experience might be difficult as well. But it's definitely something that you can get through and it'll get better with time. Also, ju- just be careful, Nick. Don't, you know, you don't want to share too much, anything embarrassing. I can't say anything embarrassing. I don't know. I mean, that's already kind of embarrassing. I was flipping off everyone. It, it's the things cancer makes you do there are yeah, there's circumstances you know you were going through yeah, something, yeah yeah you know? yeah I, I don't plan on doing that to you any other time don't worry i mean it depends if you're annoying but, yeah but anyways past that i know both you camille and ali have been in and out of treatment for a few years so has there ever been a time that you need to change your schedule like in an instant whether that's with school or just anything to do with treatment? Um, so I was diagnosed pretty much in the middle of my sixth grade year. I got sick right after, right before, right, yeah, no, right after 
everyone went back to school after winter break. Um, so pretty much as soon as I was diagnosed, we worked with my teachers where um, I, you know, I wasn't going to be coming in, um, coming to school for pretty much the rest of the year because my immune system was just too low and we couldn't risk me getting sick. So my, but my teachers were very supportive and my counselors were very supportive and they were able to accommodate me by whether it's I come in for tutoring after school after everyone leaves or I come in during the day and go to just stay in the counselor's office if I need to do um, any like state testing or stuff like that. So and if I ever had to eat lunch at that time, they let me eat in the teacher's lounge with all the teachers. Um, so I didn't have to go to the cafeteria with all the other kids. Um, so they were able to accommodate me really well um, when I was diagnosed. And then middle school, that intermediate school, middle school, um, new teachers, new counselor, but they were also very supportive and accommodating to what I needed. They were able to get my work to me on time. And I think Camille mentioned also like having like a legal plan where, um, and where I'm from, it's called a 504 plan, um, where it states what your needs are and what you need that will help um, you get through school while battling this disease. Um, so I got a 504 plan and it basically said that, you know, teachers have to lessen the workload if needed, um, give me extensions, um, and just stuff like that. And they were very supportive and they did it. And it honestly made my life so much. I mean, I was still going through a huge amount of stress from just treatment, but um, the stress of having to worry about getting my schoolwork done on time was kind of taken off with the 504 plan because my teachers knew that I may need more time because there are some days that I just, you know, I'm too tired to do any work from after treatments. So that was really nice. And it took kind of a, it was a huge burden um, taken off my chest. So that was middle school. And then now I'm in high school and my teachers still, my teachers and my counselors are both all still very supportive. And um, I really haven't run into any issues with them not, um, like not being able to accommodate me and what I'm going through. So I've had so far good experiences with um, my teachers and my my counselors and just adjusting to my treatments and everything. But I do know that there are some people um, here in Hawaii who I know have not osteosarcoma, but a form of cancer and they went to school and they did not have a good experience. Um, so I'm very happy that my teachers and counselors have all been pretty supportive and accommodating to my needs and everything as my treatment kind of fluctuates all the time. So, but Camille, I'm sure you have some things um, to say on going through school um, while in treatment. Yeah, well, certainly I'm glad to hear that the 504 was working out for you good. Um, 
So I was diagnosed in, I think, like November of the fourth grade in 2013. Um, so I was, I started MAP-IE, which is methotrexate, doxorubicin, uh, cisplatin, iphosphonide, etoposide. And um, between like the fourth and fifth grade, I think I maybe went to school like five or six times. Um, and honestly, I think it was like for like field day or like the class was making shirts or something like that. Like it wasn't like, you know, like it's kind of the fourth and fifth grade, like, is it that essential? But um, I received tutoring, especially in math, um, to try and keep up, um, which, to be honest, being that young and missing those fundamental math concepts really kind of set me up to struggle in math. Um, but, you know, I, I continue to receive tutoring throughout middle school um, and um, amidst relapses as well. You know, osteosarcoma is sneaky and never comes back at a convenient time. Um, so I've relapsed, you know, during the school year and I've completely needed to pivot into treatment mode and surgery mode. And like Allie, thank, thankfully my teachers have, and counselors have been super supportive. Um, and, you know, as long as I tried my best to keep up with the content, most teachers, you know, were like, don't take exams. I know you understand this. I don't want to cause you more stress. Um, and this is how I passed pre-calc in junior year. So shout out to my math teacher. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Oh my God, sorry. <laughs> People, editors cut that out. That was so awkward. But anyway, um, Nick, so being an osteo sibling, was there ever a time you had to cancel plans or adjust your schedule to be there helping out for your family or for Vicky? Um, there were... Definitely times. Um, well, I'd usually see her on the weekends when I had time. Thankfully, Rutgers is only like an hour away from where we lived. And so driving back on the weekends uh, was doable. Um, and so there are times where I'd have exams the following week or had plenty of homework um, due on the weekend. But I'd end up um, driving back uh, to the house Either Vicky was there or, or if she was at MSK at the time. Um, and just putting off my homework for the current time being and be like, there's obviously things more important than homework at this time. Um, and being there for Vicky at MSK was one of them. Um, although as soon as she would go to sleep on all of her drugs, I would try to bust out all my homework on time. Um, so there are many times where I'd just be sitting next to her at the bed and then trying to get all my homework done. And I was like, this is such a unique scenario. I never think I'd be doing homework in a hospital like this. Um, but it luckily didn't um, uh, cut into my studying as much, um, thankfully. Um, yeah, even if I were to go home on the weekends or visit Vicky in the city, um, I would still uh, you know, really grind homework or studying like the night before and just barely make it. Um, but I mean, it, it was worth it, of course, being there. Um, you know, I wouldn't change anything about it at all. Um, and like I said, like, you know, it's bigger things than trying to get, you know, my, my calc homework done in time or something. Um, and as for, you know, being a soccer player and the, the club team there, 
Um, there are a couple of away games um, that I would miss just to come home. Um, not only because I don't want to drive to the away games because it'd be like two hours away. I was like, no way. But also just because I know Vicky was going through uh, some difficult times um, during those few, uh, the days that I, would, I did go back. And so I tell my coach, you know, if there's a family emergency or something and I wouldn't really explain too much. And he was very, you know, supportive of that and be like, yeah, absolutely. Like you can take the time that you need. Um, and, you know, thankfully he allowed me to do that without, you know, any punishments or anything for the team. But um, besides that, I wasn't really asked upon too many times. Um, you know, I would, I would go upon my weeks um, as any other college student, really, um, um, except for the few breakdowns. But in terms of like getting things done, I would I would mostly be on time. And it was only the weekends um, where my parents knew I had extra free time that I would try to be available for her. Yeah, I guess another question I have as someone who hasn't had treatment while in school is what were your thoughts during this time and was it like difficult to maintain motivation through your work and treatment? Um, for me, I mean, elementary school and intermediate was pretty, um, the work wasn't too much and it didn't really feel like um, it was super hard. You know, in high school, you know, teenagers, like you already have no motivation to do anything that has to do with schoolwork. Um, so uh, for me, I almost have to work extra hard to keep up on my schoolwork when I'm not in school. Um, so that'll, cause when I'm not in school and I'm not getting in-person instruction, I lose what was explained in class. And it just makes it hard twice like two times harder than it already the work already is especially like math like if you miss math instruction like when you get the homework and you miss everything that the teacher went over in class you kind of stare at it and they're like what am I doing like um but I have my auntie who tutors me and she helped me get through all of six the rest of sixth grade pretty much all of seventh grade, especially with my math homework. So um, I have her to thank for that. And she always is so helpful. I can just call her up and I'll be like, like last last school year, I um, had to be out all of the third quarter because um, of my brain radiation, brain tumor radiation, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I had a biology project I needed to do and I wasn't in school and I texted my friends and I was like, what the heck are we supposed to do? And they were like, we don't really know either. So I was like, well, that's just great to hear. Um, that's no help, but okay. But I asked my auntie, I was like, can you help me figure this out? She did and then turned it in and my teacher was like, I'm, wow, it looks like you really understand this. So I was like, take it as a win. Um, so yeah, I think just maintaining motivation, um, just doing work, doing, getting all my work done um, when I'm feeling good and, you know, going, using my auntie as a tutor resource or like the internet 
resource, getting tutoring when needed um, helped maintain motivation because for I'm one of those people who, you know, kind of like school when you know what's going on sort of thing. So it was, it's much easier for me to maintain motivation um, when I know what's going on. So when I get help, then it's um, pretty easy to get through. But I don't know, maybe Camille, you've had a different experience maintain, trying to maintain your work and your motivation. Yeah, I mean, Ali, I think we have like pretty identical experiences. And I know for a fact your friends in that biology project, they knew what was going on. They 100% knew what was going on. And um, anyway, that makes me so angry because they are literally in school receiving instruction and we weren't. Um, but for me, when I was well enough, I had the mindset of using school as a distraction and having that mindset was essential to keep me to keep me caught up and you know staying in kind of like a normal life while still undergoing treatment and it just really helped me like avoid getting caught up in like negative thoughts about oh my god like I've relapsed again like I'm going on this treatment will it work like what's my prognosis um so just going to school like if you can at least this is my perspective if you can go go if if you know your symptoms are under control I I advise all those osteo warriors out there to go because it can be super rewarding and promote a sense of normalcy that is far too easily taken away from us. Um, so when I've been on treatments, I, I was on two pills, pizopinib and regorafenib. I, I attended school full time. Um, and it was it was difficult to stay motivated, don't get me wrong. But again, the normalcy of going to school, it was just beyond valuable. Being around friends, getting up at 7.30, getting ready, getting out of the house and, you know, studying the library after school, participating in clubs, like that was just beyond valuable. Um, but yeah, my senior year of high school, which was the COVID year, was probably like the worst um, in terms of staying motivated for me. I I was pretty much one out of 10 students who opted to go completely virtual instead of hybrid in person due to COVID. And I know, Ali, you kind of went through a similar situation with um, that. But it was so it was so isolating and frustrating to not be in school because I wanted that normalcy so bad. But because of being immunocompromised, it just was not safe and especially COVID being a pulmonary disease virus, like having lung mets, it's just not safe. Um, so senior year kind of sucked for me, but um, my freshman year of college was incredible and it is so what I desired my senior year to be. Um, I made so many new friends and I was constantly distracted by work and socializing, it was just, super amazing um and I know Ali you also played soccer prior to treatment I know for me prior to my osteosarcoma diagnosis um I was an Irish dancer I was a championship level Irish dancer and with limb salvage or amputation being my surgical options I was told I could never run or jump again meaning I couldn't 
dance, which was super hard to process, especially at age 10. Um, and I tried to stay involved, you know, observing classes and supporting dancers at competitions, but it just was not the same. It wasn't the same at all. And I felt like I was missing out and I just so desperately wanted to dance again. Um, but, you know, I, I sought to find new passions and I took up voice lessons. I started performing with my school's drama club and in community theaters. And in college this past semester, I continued to seek out those sorts of opportunities in musical theater and auditioned for a musical. And I got in out of like 90 auditionees, which is mind blowing. And um, I've assistant directed and wait for it, choreographed musicals for youth and although I still have to like modify and dance routines when I'm either choreographing or performing like I've found so much joy in theater and without osteo I, I don't think I would have discovered that so Ali do you have any sort of similar experience are you able to stay active in some capacity and if not like are you able to take part in other activities um so Kind of like you, I um, was a soccer player prior to treatment, and it was pretty much my entire life um, to the point where, like, every single day of the week, I was doing something soccer-related. Um, so, obviously, when I was diagnosed, um, hearing the news that, you know, I couldn't play contact sports again, that sort of thing, like, that was a lot to take in as an 11-year-old. And I think it's still something I'm, it's, my mom tells me it's grief. Um, it's a loss of something. So, you know, going through your grief and facing it. And I think for me, um, I'm still trying to, you know, process it all. It makes it a little hard because, um, you know, I see all the people I grew up playing with or against, you know, they're going on to do great things um, in the soccer community. And I'm happy for them, but then at the same time, you know, I also um, kind of feel just sad, like what could have been sort of thing. Um, but um, when I with this diagnosis, I was able to um, find the love for um, public speaking and public speaking generally was not something I used to do. Um, in elementary school, I was like super quiet, like to the point where on every report card, the teacher's comments would be like, she needs to speak up or she needs to talk more or that sort of thing. And I would like not wanna do anything that had to do with me speaking in front of a crowd of people. But because of my diagnosis, I've um, become affiliated with multiple organizations like MIB um, that have asked me to speak at their events. Um, so, you know, it's kind of developed a passion for not only public speaking, but childhood cancer advocacy, I think. Um, I never thought that I would find another passion, I guess you could say, after I lost soccer. But I think me being diagnosed was not the best thing that could happen, but it really was, it, in, a, in a sense, benefited me because it allowed me to meet new people, make new friends, um, travel, um, and just, you know, I've met some of the my greatest role models, people I look up to. 
through treatment and um, I've met so many great people through things like MIB, all the junior board members, Osseo siblings, Osseo warriors, and then I had the opportunity to do all of that. And I don't think I would have been able to feel that accomplished um, had I was not get not had gotten diagnosed and was still playing soccer. So I think I really think um, osteo has really opened doors for me that I don't think I would ever even consider something that I would find interested in had I, you know, still been playing soccer. So um, I like to take it as um, it really matured me and, you know, it's helping me helping to prepare me for the real world as I grow up. So, yeah. Ellie, I'm so happy to hear you've had that experience and have come to find a passion in public speaking. That's so amazing. Um, but I think we are just about out of time today. So thank you for tuning into Osteo, the Osteosarcoma podcast. Be sure to follow MIB agents on social media at the links in the description for all the intel. Thank you so much to both Ali and Nick for speaking with us today. And we're your hosts, Camille. Ali. Nick. My meat was on. And Vicky. <laughs> and until next time, that's the tea.